going on everybody welcome into another edition of the daily energy news beat stand up here on this gorgeous monday july 10th 2023 as always i'm your humble correspondent michael tanner coming to you from an undisclosed location here in dallas texas joined by the executive producer of the show the purveyor of the show and the director and publisher of the world's greatest website energynewsbeat.com Stuart turley my man how we doing today it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, and uh, I got to talk to HR. Somebody called us and said, "Both we got to have a white shirt on for our podcast listeners." Well, <laughs> we're coming down from above to deliver you guys the all-seeing news. Um, but uh, we have an absolutely banger show lined up for you. Packed menu. Stu's done a great job of of, of keeping energy news beat up to speed this weekend. First us, Venezuela looks to pay down twenty billion in U.S. debt with oil experts. Why is there an estimated $6 price difference? Stu, we'll dive into some interesting numbers on what Venezuela is looking to do. Next, this is from um, Energy News Beat's own David Blackman. A backlash against net zero policies is finally beginning to shape shape. That's a Substack article from our favorite random guy on Substack. Next up, new Iceland tech shakes up global geothermal energy. You know, here at Energy News, we love geothermal. Highly interested to see what's coming out of Iceland. Next up, Toyota's solid state battery breakthrough um, technology will reduce cost and size by 50%. You're going to have to convince me of that. I'm skeptical just on the headline, but Stu will convince us otherwise. And then finally, we'll check in in the Gulf of Mexico, where we have at least two dead on that Pemex oil platform file. Stu will dive in um, to the fallout and, and get us up to speed on what we know today. He'll toss it over to me. I'll cover, you know, really what happened, you know, really on Friday, but also last week in oil, we're up 3% um, to a nine week high, mainly on uh, some supply, supply concerns. I'll jump into maybe where I see and, and, and where Stu and I see oil prices and natural gas prices moving this week. And then we'll let you go on, on get out of here. Start your Monday. Um, we really hope there's not too many meetings, but I have a feeling you guys are out to get pounded with meetings. So please stand strong. We'll get you here. We'll get you prepped with the news and then we'll get you on your way. Before we do all that, guys, remember all the stories we are about to read and go over are courtesy world's greatest website, energynewsbeat.com. You can check them all out in the description below. Team does a great job of curating that to make sure all of the stories are in there. You can check out the timestamps below if you want to go ahead and jump ahead and figure out what David Blackman's saying. Um, you can go ahead and do that. Right now, dashboard.energynewsbeat.com, the best place for all your data and news combo. We are hard at work at pushing V2, guys. So remember, let's it's going behind a paywall. So hit the dashboard sign up link. Tell us what you think. Um, V2, um, we'll throw that link below as well. We'll make sure the team's on that. All right, Stu, where do you want to begin? Pack show today. It is. Uh, let's go uh, swooping around the world down to Venezuela. Uh, this one reeks of uh, potential like... Uh, Hey, where's my crayon? Uh, Venezuela looks to pay down $20 billion in U.S. debt with oil exports. Why is there an estimated $6 billion price difference? Uh, there's a B there. Uh, refresh your, your screen. So when uh, you take a look at this, Michael, why are we allowing uh, Venezuela to get use oil in trade Okay, now the way I did, I took a look at this, parting with 200,000 barrels uh, of uh, barrels per day of its crude that generates much needed revenues, but they're going to give it to the United States in lieu of uh, doing that. And I started doing my crayon 
there's six billion dollar difference between what they would sell it to us for supposedly and you know where is that price difference i'll have to i'm gonna put a spreadsheet in here uh for the folks that'll be on here uh when you start having 20 billion and then the 14 billion is what venezuela is really going to get credit for what is that six billion difference gonna do michael that seems a little odd to me yeah, I, I'm. I'm on. I don't. I'm gonna have to see this crayon and this napkin that you're using. So I'm gonna. You're gonna need. This is like the the missing 13 minutes on the Nixon files. Like it, it I'm is. Gonna, where's the missing napkin? Where is it? I'm gonna need your crayon math on that I, one. I can't All trust. I know is this right now. There's 200,000 under this newly proposal. 200,000 barrels of crude oil per day that's being diverted to China would currently be diverted, basically cost free to the United States. I mean, basically what it would be doing is it would generate revenues that would immediately go back into paying off the values. You got to remember Sitgo, which is Venezuela's most prized possession, sits within the United States. So it's already been seized. So now all of a sudden there's not much else to do other than go get some free oil. This proposal still requires sign off um, from the Madro regime. Um, you also have to remember, guys, in January, Washington went ahead and signed off on a license that would allow Chevron to ship 134,000 barrels um, per day of Venezuelan crude up to the United States coast. Venezuela is currently exporting about 715,000 barrels right. of per day and refined products. So remember, they do some refiners okay. down there. That And that's up over the last year. Okay, here's a squirrel for you in the hamster wheel. Okay, if... Uh, we sit back and take a look. There also is Biden has, has kicked out more SPR releases. I'm trying to get information on that as well, too. So we're also lowering our strategic oil reserves. Well, this kind of crap is going on. What's going on? Yeah, I mean, again, produce that napkin and and, and we'll cover the math yeah. um, and we'll save I, that I, one next. I, All right, let, I, let's move to David Blackman. Okay, yeah, but uh, you're my uh, crayon analyzer, and I'll have that done for everybody. I love David Blackman. David Blackman's one of the coolest uh, guys out there. David Blackman, the original random guy on Substack. He is. Uh, Not only is he's got the energy absurdity of the day, uh, I was actually on the energy absurdity of the day, and I've got that going for me on my desk bed. Uh, David Blackman, this article is a backlash against net zero policies is finally beginning to take shape. This is uh, there's a little bit to this. Um, When you sit back, first line, first past week has been a very interesting one, to say to the least, as the media has suddenly filled with story after story documenting a rising backlash against net zero policies in the in the world. Austria's National Energy and Climate Plan said Tuesday its climate targets for 2030 will not be reached. The new revised plan this week cuts the country's greenhouse gas reduction goals from 48 percent below 2005 to 35. This is really an excellent article because this is teeing up uh, COP28. There is a huge backlash between the ESG investing. We've had some of those articles uh, on Newsbeat about even uh, Larry Fink of BlackRock bailing out of ESG, Mm -hmm. the ESG investing hypocrisy. Now we're seeing a whole trend, global trend from some random guy on Substack, as you love to say, Michael, and that is David Blackman. He's one of the guys I trust. 
Yeah, but what, what's interesting is this article actually comes from the Daily Caller. So he's, you know, this isn't, you know, he's no random guy on Substack. No, he's a he's a Forbes contributing author and a Daily Caller and He's also on the three podcasters walk into a bar and he's on another podcast. But, you know, we got to do the two- energy question, courtesy of Sandstone Media, world's there greatest media platform. OK, and that's we'll- a that's a plug right there. Oh, yeah, that's a shameless plug, but we'll take it. All right. Hey, let's go to the next one, dude. New Iceland Tech shakes up global geothermal energy. Uh, we've got a couple energy tech stories here. Uh, we're off to Iceland, and when while uh, Iceland is fortunate that it has all three required characteristics for accessible geothermal energy, the Icelandic model of geothermal is not merely due to natural, it's due to te- technology. This article refers to also Japan. In Japan, they've got, man, they always see the, the monkeys sitting in the hot tubs, you know, uh, over there in Japan. The problem is 80% of their geothermal lands are in national reserves. And so they only have 20% in China. So when we uh, take a look at what's going on different, it's creating positive feedback loops where geology activity components, the strengths and weakness of other green power sources, instead of only generating electricity for consumption. So, it is a force multiplier, as this article says. I kind of like it from that aspect. Yeah, I think here's the thing. I think it's great for ice. The problem is, can you take this same Icelandic model and scale it up for the United States? Probably not. Yeah, yeah in Yellowstone. But then again, you know, the caldera is going to blow up next week, as everybody's saying. So, you know, yeah, let's I'm go ahead. Poking things into the caldera. <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably good on that. <laughs> yeah, but you'll blow up all the whales. So anyway, True. I like- then, me and, then me and the green people would finally have our way. Then me and Greenpeace would finally have our way. The new and re, uh, the new and updated Greenpeace. Yes. The one that's okay. funded by Russian oil. Oh, yeah. But the new technology, I think, is also being br- brought up into Chevron and BP. And we've mm-hmm. been talking about uh, Exxon going through the geothermal. I'm thrilled to try any of this stuff and really notch it up. I'm all for geothermal. No, because it is what the Icelandic model is showing. And I think what this article is saying is that geothermal is a great baseload power source that exactly. needs to back up and ensure all your other energy sources, the mix of your energy. You have a strong baseload mix. Yeah. it it Will it provide everybody's thing? No. Will solar do it? No. Will wind? No. Will nuclear? Mm, it could. But uh, when you talk about SMRs, baby, SMRs, SMRs, baby, you need all energy. Okay, let's move. move Let's hear about Toyota's solid state batteries. It's pretty cool. There's a little nugget that is not in the article. Uh, Toyota's solid state battery breakthrough will reduce costs and size by 50 percent. This is really huge. You know, you and I have laughed about. I mean, we've talked about. Uh, EVs for a lot, and um, I, I they pollute. People just think that they're clean. Here's the key difference: the largest automaker in the world said by using its new solid-state battery architecture, it can produce batteries with a range of 745 miles. That's a thousand two hundred kilometers for our international 
uh, listeners, which can be fast charged in about 10 minutes. That is cool. Um, now, when you take a look, do you ever own, you didn't own a pirate Prius, do you? I mean, no. those were hideous. Okay. Um, so when you take a look at the technology right now, we have kids in the Congo being forced into slave labor in order to do the lithium ion batteries. Then when one goes on the, uh, starts burning, all the fire departments leave and then everybody gets their marshmallows out and just expect that thing to go for several days. Hey, this is a great idea. Why don't we burn Tesla's for power sources? They could heat all the water. What do you think? There you go. Geothermal by burning Tesla's. Let's, (laughs) let's pitch that to Elon. No, that was horrible. Okay. So here's where this, the little nugget is in here. Toyota and Tesla are signing deals last week. Ah, of course, of course. I mean, this is what's going to happen in the EV industry. Everyone's going to share. Everyone's going to share technology. Certain companies will have all the batteries. Certain companies will have the software. Certain companies will will manufacture. You know, maybe Tesla continues to do all of it. But if 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 what this article is saying is true, this switch from you know the the liquid polymer gels that basically to these solid states, solid electrodes and electrolytes, which sounds funny because we think of electrolytes as a Gatorade. But if what they're saying is true, this solid state, I mean, that's what you're talking. I mean, 10 minute battery. I love how they say, and a fast charge in about 10 minutes. That's still a lot. That's still a while. 10 minutes sitting at a gas station. You know, three cars in a half hour. That's not that quick. No, but it sure beats the three hours that people are having to do right now. I like the the two minutes it takes my gas truck to fill up, though. Oh, oh yeah. Um, here's the other piece of this puzzle, though. When you sit back and take a look, Tesla signed a deal with Ford. Ford is going to be using the Tesla plugs. So your point is phenomenal, Michael, so that when you start looking at companies that allow market open up their technology for other manufacturers to use are the winners. Yep, uh, absolutely. I think it's fantastic. So anyway, I was pretty darn excited about this one. All right. Last one. What's going on with that Pemex platform? Okay. Uh, let's take a look here. Uh, at least two dead in the oil platform fire in the Gulf of Mexico. They get, they did get the fire out. Good. Um, and emergency crews the in the story here, 321 workers out of the 328 who were working on the structure when the fire started have already been evacuated. That's as of yesterday morning. So they're all off the fires out and the video is here in Spanish. So I was trying to watch it 16 I times. saw a little bit of it. They're going to have to shut in about 700,000 barrels of oil um, because yep. of that, which is is going to do a little bit of a pop here uh, as the markets open up. It's about 2.30 here on Sunday, uh, here on do the you, 9th. So do you, think it'll even, do you think it'll even matter? Because we've had tankers hijacked that years ago would have devastated the thing. Maybe a bump. You might see a small bump. I mean, we're already dealing with supply concerns. I'm just saying it's about 700,000 barrels a day. So it's not that hard. It's not that it's right. not that small. No, it's not that small. But also, you know, the market seems to be fairly uh, impervious to some of these things. Yeah, Makes no sense. kidding. Um, you know, right. I don't know why Pemex has a, a long record of it. You know, I love how this article says Pemex, which has a long record of major industrial accident. 
That's will a, continue to re- report on control extinction uh, of the uh, of the fire and damage assessments. <laughs> yeah, rut row, rut row. So um, you know, but Michael, this goes back to why is the current administration declaring war on the U.S. oil and gas when we're the cleanest on the planet? Oh, it's almost like we've never talked about that. No, Whoa. it's I, I'm being I, I only say this, it's true. I mean, this is you want you, you want no domestic oil and gas production. Sweet. Pemex is in charge now. It's true. Yeah. Um. You know, anyway, that's it for me. We're going to have a crazy week. I've got a bunch of stories coming around. I got my sources on COP28. They are announcing some real struggle points getting ready for this thing. And part of the problems, Michael, is the like we just talked about, the ESG investing side coupled with Sweden and Spain have bailed out and they have changed their energy policies. Mm -hmm. People cannot afford to print money. So I got a lot coming around the corner, dude. No, you've got a lot coming around the corner. Um, I'll quickly just cover what happened last week in oil prices. We were up 3% a week over week, up to a nine-week high, really based off those supply concerns. Um, you know, we closed the day. Uh, Brent closed at 78.47. Um, WTI settled at 73.86. I will open somewhere in the 73.60 range um, here in about two hours. And then one quote from, from Phil Flynn of Price Futures Group, we're knocking on the door again of a major breakout to the upside. I think you're seeing some short-term covering here today because a lot of people have been betting the short side. So interesting. We think we have a little rally coming. Again, you have to remember um, that uh, Saudi Arabia decided to f- have um, keep its 1 million barrel crude oil lollipop in demand which is or intact for August, which is basically a fresh cut. Um, and Russia came in um, along with the UAE and decided to cut a little bit. So uh, that's you know going to, again, com- keep things up. You know, We also did see um, Equinar uh, paused a little bit of their oil production in the North Sea due to staff shortages. So Oops. we got to love that. Um, after dollar, you know, we'd also see the dollar falling to a two-week low last week, uh, mainly based on the fact that they think the U.S. Federal Reserve is going to continue to to continue to raise rates. It's pretty funny. You watch CNBC this morning, uh, each morning, and they, they they're it's depressing because new numbers come out and they're good numbers, good jobs numbers. Everyone's depressed because now that means the Fed's going to raise rates. I, I'm convinced <laughs> the Fed needs new tools to fight inflation because they can't be saying, "Oh yay, everyone's employed." Let's raise rates and put them out of, you know, I mean, that there's some there's a misalign of incentives there of incentives there, I think. I, I the Fed cannot and does not have the tools. They got us here. They do not have the tools to fix it. They um, don't. They really don't. My opinion is that you got to fix the energy policies. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, you're just going, oh, shut up, Stuart. Well, on a positive note, we did see six rigs get added week over week. Um, um, Baker Hughes dropped that on Friday. Current uh, rig count stands at 680. Um, we did see two natural gas rigs come off and, and, and eight onshore rigs. So, hey, at least we've got that going for us. Um, what should people be worried about this week, Stu? What's on your radar? You said COP 28. What people, when is yeah. that, by the way? When is COP 28? Uh, sometime in November, but they're having Ooh, a meeting. Spooky. Yo. Oh, uh, but it's there's meetings coming up right now trying to get ready for it. And they they've got some puckerage going on. Uh, and that's not a good thing for them. Yeah. No, it's not a good thing for them at all. 
I don't think there's anything else in the, the oil and gas news front to worry about, guys. It'll, you know, we're, we're getting up for earnings, so I don't think you're going to see too many M&A deals around the corner. I do think you're going to see here probably after that first, after that uh, uh, Q2 earnings call, I think you're going to... Uh, see that M&A action pick up um, fairly quickly. But uh, with that, guys, we're going to let you get out of here. Start your Monday. We appreciate you guys checking us out. Energynewsbeat.com for Stuart Turley. I'm Michael Tanner. We'll see you tomorrow, folks. Subscribe, like. (laughs) Smash that like button. (laughs) 